everybody i'm nolan tuck stacy glover and you're listening to cinema parlor stacy how you doing i'm good man good times all around how about yourself man what doing are you well to? so i'm having a nice little sunday and uh now we're uh, sitting back sipping some drinks here what are you drinking today well in honor of uh what we're talking about i'm having a south side blonde from perennial artisan ales all right that looks good mm-hmm Looks like a, a nice beverage. Uh, I'm drinking a, a a mixed drink here that our wonderful producer and editor uh, Melanie made us or made me. Well, she made us both one, but I'm I've had three. It yeah, uh, it is. Uh, she's calling this drink the Mrs. Thorwald, which is pretty great. Um, she also gave us the recipe and she posted it on her Twitter at Plastic Werewolf. If you'd like to see the ingredients for this drink, and I'm gonna go ahead and mention them now. It uh, consists of two muddled strawberries, a splash of lavender simple syrup, three ounces of ginger beer. If you partake in alcohol, which we most certainly do, two ounces of whiskey, smokier the better, pour over ice, garnish with lavender sprig and strawberries, and enjoy through a straw for, you know, best enjoyment. It's I a, hear it gets you drunker quicker. I mean, it, it does, and it's a very tasty drink. So thank you, Melanie, and... Uh, this is a, I mean, just, just a lovely drink. I, I can't say anymore. <laughs> so, as uh, we always do, what have you been up to? Well, I did, so just so the audience knows, this is probably the longest we've gone without talking via podcast. Now, we've had episodes come out and such, right. but from like when we started working on this to when it's actually coming to fruition, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So, in preparation of this, I did go through the entirety of the David Lean Noel Coward uh, box set from Criterion. Yes. So, watched all of those. Uh, first time I've seen any of those, including Brief Encounter, which is one of the uh, you know more well-regarded films um, to come from Mr. Lean. It's a great movie. It's actually the only one I have seen from that set. Which is why we're doing this show. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I Brief Encounters fantastic. Um, I actually enjoyed all the movies in the set. Um, I was very uh, impressed with Blythe Spirit. Yeah, um, that that's got a uh, I think it's Rex Harrison uh, plays the uh, gentleman, but it's about a uh, a skeptic who's writing a book about uh, kind of um, you know, like ghost and uh, uh, a medium, you mm-hmm. know, uh, someone who would perform a seance. And in doing that, you know, um, having the seance performed at his house, his uh, the ghost of his dead wife comes back and comically uh, terrorizes his current wife. And uh, it, it's yes. a very funny film. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's kind of got that like British snarky sense of humor. And uh, it, it's kind of edgy for when it came out. Like there's some humor in there that... Uh, you know, postcode that's like, ah, that's that's kind of interesting that they let that fly. Uh, yeah. Now, the lady that plays, uh, okay, so there's Constance Cummings. The, she plays Ruth. It, who is that in the film? Is that his 
the ghost or is that his the lady he's married to at the time? I think that's the lady that he is married to at the time. Okay. Okay. But I might be wrong. Okay. Because it's been a little while. All right. But um, that was probably like the most pleasant surprise in that box set for me. And Kay Hammond. I bet that is the... Yeah, that is... She is the ex-wife. Very nice. Okay. Well, this looks like a movie down my alley, so I will check it out. And shot in beautiful uh, Technicolor. Looks really good. Uh, It's a um, kind of a stagey, you know, play, but made cinematic through, you know, David Lean's use of camera. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend it. Very nice. What Uh, about you, man? Yeah. Well, um, so I'm going to talk about uh, a few things here to start off with. Um, I've been, like I always do, I've been buying a lot of stuff lately. I'm going to take some time here to to talk about a few things I've bought recently. First off, talk about a few things that I've actually watched and I bought. So first on the list here is the new Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never seen this movie before. And uh, it is uh, it's it's a very fun movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's a movie I highly enjoyed. Uh, it stars uh, the great Rowdy Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. who's no longer with us anymore. Um, but uh, Sandal Bergman's in it too, right? Yes, she is, and she is excellent as well. And this is a post-apocalyptic movie. Um, Rowdy Roddy is basically. Um, one of the few men left here that is uh, able to um, impregnate women. And his swimmers are still working. That's right. And so these ladies have kind of captured him and want him to keep the world going. Like, you know, just As is have, a lot of, have a lot of sex. At the beginning of the film, uh, they actually put him in some sort of chastity belt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, he gets turned on many times in the first half of the film, and well, he, he can't do anything about it. Oh, no. Because they're wanting all that. I won't get into it. We'll just we'll just say they don't want him to just... Uh, they want his stuff saved up, okay? Gotcha. We'll put it that way. And uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a really hilarious movie. Like, there's a lot of really, really, I mean, they're cheap, but like, really good practical effects. Uh, I think all the frogs look really, um, I mean, it's its its own film. I mean, it, it's its very, like, its own design, but it, it it's indistinguishable, you know? So they're frog people, right? Yeah, frog people. Mm-hmm. Now, were they mutated by, like, a bomb? You know, as happens in post I would believe so. The movie doesn't go into great detail about they're just exactly, frog people, but yeah, and it's sort of like the, the and there's different areas of this world, so they actually go to Frog Town, which the title obviously says, right? And um, you know, hilarity ensues, so action the, ensues. The frog people are bad. Yeah, they're kind of. Uh, are they taking the women? They're, they're heathens. Um, you know, they're just not. Not really. I mean, they... Wait, yes, they are. It's been a little while since I've watched this. Yes, they. I think they do have women that they have... Yes, they're like slaves, I think. Okay. In this world. It's almost like... Also, at the end of this movie, like... It's a weird kind of like... Like, uh... I, you feel vibes to like... Uh, for Fury Road a little bit, except like a switched way. Like, um... Huh. I don't know. 
it was it was a fun movie. I would highly suggest it. Um, I do want to see it. It don't expect a masterpiece here. It's ridiculous, but you know if you're looking to just have a fun time for an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, and uh, this Blu-ray is very nice. It probably uh, is way better than it has ever looked before. Probably. So that's first on my list. That was a lot of fun. Hell comes to Frogtown. Nice. What do you got? Well, if you want to talk about killing an hour and a half. I watched Stage Fright, or Aquarius, in other regions uh, last night. I was very impressed with it. It, uh, it involves the opening of a play. They're rehearsing for it. And a serial killer actor uh, goes on the loose and locks these actors in um, you know, the uh, auditorium and terrorizes them. It's a body count movie. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's got some, like, some Giallo influences, some Halloween influence, obviously. Um, It's shot surprisingly well. That's something I didn't expect. Like, it actually looks good. The music's pretty decent. Um, The the costume for the killer is pretty cool. It's like the owl head. Mm -hmm. Um, He's wearing, like, a dark suit. It's actually, like, it's pretty stylish. Uh, The gore is pretty cool. Kind of gnarly. I really enjoyed it. Like, if you're just looking for, you know, an hour and a half, you know, fun slasher flick, it fits the bill. And uh, that's streaming on Shudder. And I know it had a prestigious release. I don't know what uh, what boutique label put it out. but I believe uh, that is a, uh, and I, I could be wrong on this, um, It and now that it's going to not even come to my head now, the name of the label, Blue Underground. That's it. I think they put it out, I feel like. Okay. And... I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with another version of it sometimes. It seems like a lot of their, like, uh, kind of Jallo or horror films right now, they're releasing in new 4K transfers. Yeah. So yeah, popular. I mean, it looked good, you know, streaming on Shutter. Very nice. I need to check that one out sometime myself. All right, uh, next on my list here, I'm going to talk about a box set I recently got uh, from the label Indicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's unfamiliar with this uh, label... They are a UK label, um, but a lot of their discs and box sets are usually made region-free. Not everything. You need to make sure, if you ever buy from them, to look if you don't have a region B player. But uh, a lot of their stuff is region-free, as well as uh, this box set. And so uh, this is a director I've heard about over the years, but I've never been familiar with his work. He is a, a horror-slash-genre filmmaker. <laughs> uh, his name is... Uh, that would probably help if I said his name, Norman J. Warren. And uh, so I have really yet to dive into this box set except for the first film I watched the other day called Satan's Slave. And this was uh, kind of an enjoyable film, but I, again, not a, not a very good film, <laughs> but I enjoyed it for what it was. It's kind of about a lady who uh, basically kind of gets, well, she's a slave to this well, it's her uncle, actually, and a family, and it turns out that that family is a Satanist cult. Inner family slavery cult yes. shit? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, again, a very low-budget film. Um, I think it's actually shot pretty well, but, uh, you know, not the best gore effects in the world. Uh, you can tell it's on a cheap budget. Um, you know, you're not the best story in the world, but, if you know, it. I enjoyed it because... I kind of like ridiculous films Is there a like ton this. of nudity in it? There is nudity in it. A good amount yeah. of nudity. There's a good atmosphere going to it, which I'm always about that. So so we, are his films in the trashier 
yeah, realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, weird... I'm not saying that a film called Satan's Slave can't have class. I'm just right. uh, making assumptions. You know, also it's a, it's a clash... Uh, I'll, I'll make up a new term, a classy trashy. A classy trashy. How about that? Because he is a he's a UK man. So I mean, wait, he's wait, an wait. Englishman. He so that is what makes it classy, is because he's British. No, but it if it, it helps in like when watching the film, he's got that uh, he's got that flair about him. Like it's not just a full out like trash fest here, you know. So you. I... A so classy like, trashy. I really like like this term. late late hammer like. You know, lesbian vampire films are those classy trashy? Yeah. Okay. I put that. I mean, obviously those like are vampire lovers. Those are better films than this one that I saw. Gotcha. But I'm. It, it made me very interested to dive into the rest of the films real quick. I'll well, just, I hope so. You bought a full box. I set. mean, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm, I mean, I'm happy I bought it. Uh, so the rest of the films are called Prey, Terror, Inseminoid, and Bloody New Year. What is Inseminoid? Uh, it is a, I believe, some type of alien ripoff kind okay, of a okay. sci-fi monster movie. In, Interesting. Know. So that's probably the one actually I'm most um, looking forward to watching. Uh, Terror is, I believe, uh, has a lot of influence from Suspiria. So like it's kind of a witch mm. movie. Prey, I believe, is about, it's a slasher of sorts, but it's like an alien comes down and like... Now, I believe that one does have some uh, lesbian and nudity stuff going on mm. there. And he, like, kind of... It's a relationship movie, from what I understand. And, like, this alien comes down and, like... I don't know. It's, like, in the middle of this relationship, what's going on? And he, like, stays at their house with them. And then, like, craziness happens. I don't know. As one would have in a classy trash. Exactly. And then the last one, uh, Bloody New Year, I don't really know much at all about that one. I can tell you also, if you don't want to spend for like this big box set, if you're, if anyone's even interested in these films, Vinegar Syndrome put each one out individually here in the States. So, Mm. I mean, you could find each one individually for like probably 20 bucks. But anyway, I chose the box set because Indicator rocks. It has a nice book, a lot of features, all that stuff. So, all right. Well, if we're going to pimp some releases, um, this is an older release, but I was blown away by it. I watched the uh, the 4K UHD of Dark Crystal and holy shit, dude, that is probably one of the best transfers I've ever seen of a movie ever. Very like, nice. the um, the presentation of it on home video is... I, I, I struggle to think of a presentation as good. Um, it, it was just fantastic. It looked so good. Sounded great. And that movie's really good. Another one I haven't seen. Uh, it, it's kind of like it's popular now because of the new sure. series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that yet, but I hear it's good. And that original movie is very good. A lot of good world building. Uh, the puppetry is fantastic. Uh, it looks like it was super expensive to make and looks like every penny went to use. Very nice. Yeah, I, I will. I need to, I, that's what I wanted to check it's out. It's a cool a movie. Time, you got anything else, man? Oh, no. I'm. Uh... All right. I'm done. All right, man. So we got Lawrence of Arabia, 1962, David Lean. Uh, this is kind of in a cycle of films for him uh, that kind of uh, his like epic cycle. Yes. Uh, he he made this right after Bridge on the River Kwai. And it's sandwiched between that and Dr. Zhivago, which I have yet to see. But um, 
you know, Bridge on the River Kwai is fantastic. You've not seen any of these films. No. Uh, what's what's your impression of like David Lean and his work? That you know, from what you've seen. Okay, so I am uh, kind of a, a neophyte here. I've only seen two David Lean movies now, which is sad. I know. So I had seen Brief Encounter, which is a completely different movie than Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very small, intimate film, uh, black and white, uh, gorgeous photography, but. Um, it's 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 a very you know simple story. I loved it. It's it's probably one of my personal favorites that movie. Um, and I, I think it's great. And so and then you know we we watched Lawrence and I'm sure we'll get into how we watched it here in a second. Um, but uh, this was a first time watch for me, and uh, I greatly enjoyed this movie. Uh, I I thought it was I mean a masterpiece. I can't deny that it wasn't. Well, yeah, and, like, this movie, I think, like, for pop masterpieces, like, not hipster list and shit, um, this is usually considered, like, one of the greatest films of all time, you know, up there with, like, Casablanca, Citizen Kane. Right. You know, kind of in that range. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this movie is phenomenal. I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's probably uh, fourth or fifth time I've seen the movie. Oh, wow. It's a long one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let, we watched the, uh, I think it's the 2015, 2016, it's the, it might have been earlier than that, it's the British Film Institute's uh, restoration of it. The newest restoration. Yeah, which they did in 4K. Uh, that restoration, from my understanding, that's not been released on home video yet. That's correct. We just have the Blu-ray that was released prior to that. Yeah, which, and I think that Blu-ray came out like, what, 2012, 2013? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. And it's a pretty transfer but, uh, yeah, this new 4K transfer, my God. Whew. Yes, so we got to see this at our local Alamo Draft House on the big screen. It was an experience. I'll put it that way. Now, I will say, before we get too much into it, um, I had I made the best out of the situation. I was sitting by a man who was twice my size, mm-hmm. and he kind of, like, took up most of my space. Your armrest. Yeah. So I was kind of like, you were very kind, actually. You kind of, like, let me lean to the right a little, yeah. a little bit. So I had somewhat space. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, uh, it didn't bother me enough to ruin my experience of the film, which was, I mean, it it was an experience. I mean, you put it that when, way. When watching an older film like this, uh, you know, an epic, which I don't know how many Hollywood, I mean, this one, you know, it's still British film, sure. I believe. Um, but just epics in general. Yeah, with epics, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many you've seen, but not enough. Huh? Not enough. Not enough. Um, how how do you feel about like the overture and then the intermission being included in I, the film? I really like it for the theatrical experience. I, I do too, man, and I love that. And they even do this on home video. So mm-hmm. like, if you watch Ben Hur, um, even King Kong has an overture. Mm-hmm. I I I love it because you know you get that like you know, five to ten minutes of music at the beginning. Right. You know, just with, like, it just, usually it's a title card, you know, it just says Overture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there'll be, like, you know, some design, you know, from the movie and kind of gets you in the mood for it. And it kind of gets, you know, the crowd gets to settle down and, yep. you know, get in the mood for the film. And I, I like that, man. Especially, you know, some of these movies have these fantastic scores and the main theme from this film is, I mean, I think it's iconic. Yeah. Uh, the music, you know, 
you see sand, like you just think of Lawrence Silver Arabia's music, man. Yeah, it, the music is unbelievably good here. By I believe his name is, well, they have two people under the composer Maurice Jar and Morris Stoloff. Stoloff. Hmm. I don't know them, but yes, the the music is. Well, yeah, so I mean good that main this. theme, like you've heard that before I watching have. the movie. Sure. Yep. Like it's pretty famous. And what's <clears throat> excuse me? What's great about the overture as well is I I think it like you said it it puts you like. In a mood, and like for me, it's like as that music was going, I was like, before you even see a visual on the screen, you just get you you're ready for greatness. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. It got me in a mood, and like I can't wait to see what I'm about to see. That's awesome, especially okay. since I'd never seen the film before. Um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about, as far as the structure of the presentation goes, how do you feel about the intermission? And many people consider. And the way they write about the film, it is Lawrence part one, part two. Right. And there is a thematic difference between part one and part two. And you have that intermission. And it's not exactly in the middle. Yeah. Part one is considerably longer than part two. Excuse me. Yeah, I actually, like, it was weird. I, I know that the movie, the second part was longer than this. But I, just the way it felt, I felt like we were in there for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Again, I know it was longer than that. But just as far as like. When you compare the two... How quick the pacing yeah, is. Right. Mm-hmm. And Which has a great pacing, by the way. It's fantastic. But, yeah, um, it, I, I I, do like the movie as a whole, and, and the intermission didn't bother me. I will say, just, I think the first part maybe is stronger for me, but I still liked the movie as a whole. Like, well, they both, it both works. It's just, you know... To be fair, like, <laughs> the first part of the film has the shots that, like, uh-huh. when people talk about the movie... It's, it is, you know, the mirage. Sure. And it is, you know, the jump cut between the match uh, into the desert. Yeah. You know, like those two excellent pieces, like that's in the first half. That's got to be up there with one of the best cuts ever along with, you know, the bone and the spaceship. Exactly. I have a note on this. So, <laughs> um, interesting. I was watching the all the documentaries like that's on the Blu-rays. You did a lot more of. better than I did. Um, well, you know, and I, I love this film, and I have the time. So, or I found the time. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, the editing for this film is inspired by French New Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to do a lot of cuts to where you just get into the action of another scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you feel that influence throughout the film? Most definitely. Yes. Uh, and that's something that, you know, Lean's editor recommended to him, and that's how you get, you know, something with the match... Yep. Right into the sun. Yeah, that, there, there wasn't a lot of people doing that in uh, the UK or America at that time. No. Very, and very I, I think it makes the, the movie much more dynamic. It uh, definitely helps the pacing. Yes. Uh, so the movie it is about T. Lawrence, who's a uh, World War One hero for Britain. Uh, it's also an Arabic hero. Yes. Helping them, you know, find their freedom... I, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I know I don't, and I'm pretty sure you don't know enough about, you know, history and geopolitical um, relations between, um, right you know, that part of the world that during was, that time. Exactly. This And this isn't really a uh, criticism as much as it's just that I, um, I did get bogged down a little bit on some of the politics and where they are at as far as, you know. Oh, see, I love that shit. I just, I don't want to speak about it because 
I know that there are people that are way more competent about that. Sure. And like I, I am not. And for with me, with me, I I don't know anything about that. And so I did have some trouble. Not like that. You know, I talked about it with you guys after. Uh-huh. Just like understanding exactly some of the ins and outs of who they were fighting and where they were fighting at certain points. Right. And and to be honest, the movie's not about that. Sure. No, I, I agree. Um, you don't really need to know, you know, the history of, like, you know, the Turks, you know, taking up arms and the British Empire, you know, coming mm-hmm. supposedly to the rescue and, um, you know, fighting them back and stuff. The, like, that's not important. What's important is this is a character study mm-hmm. and the way that we examine like modern heroes and mythological you know like beings you get this wonderful intro Mm -hmm. where lawrence dies yeah you go into the film knowing that lawrence is dead yep and this is how he becomes famous motorcycle accident yes and you get that wonderful shot with the goggles just hanging by the tree Mm -hmm. after that we have his wake yeah, and all these people are coming down the steps, and you have people that don't know him who are like, "He was a great hero," and all this stuff. Um, and then you have, um, you know, the reporter that is prominent in the second act of the film, or second part of the film. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, he was great." Blah 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 blah. And I've never met a bigger exhibitionist. And people take offense to the things he was saying about mm-hmm. him, but. The good and the bad, all of it's true. Like, it, it's all true from what we see throughout the film. It's just how you interpret, you know... Yeah. And, like, what you want this person to mean to you. Sure, sure. And I thought that was fascinating, you know, the examination of him. Um, A lot of this was based on the book that he wrote, and he did a tour, uh, which is actually how he got famous. Um, After his war duty, he came back, uh, wrote a book, Seven Pillars of Wisdom... By T. Lawrence, mm-hmm. and you know he traveled around and did uh, seminars and such, and uh, shows you know ex- going over his exploits. So that's what a large amount of the movie's based on. So a lot of like historians kind of discount some of the stuff that's in the movie because it was in the book, um, namely the you know Turkish rape sure. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which we you know we can get to later. It's sure. later in the film. But, um, I don't know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, a movie that's so influenced by its main character's voice is also so critical of him. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Do you have any, um, any ideas, notes, um, about, like, just the beginning, getting us into this movie? Yeah, so... Scenes you loved. What I, I'm gonna say, okay, so I do have a, a big thought that kind of comes back around to this opening scene, which I think I'd like to talk to you about the end because it's kind of like my personal take or theory okay. on this film. So I, I think is interesting. Um, I hope anyway. You'll see if you agree or not. But um, yeah, I, I really like the the opening. Um, you know, you could say that some, you know, Obviously, something like Citizen Kane could be an influence on just like telling this kind of backstory as, mm-hmm. as you've seen the person die at the beginning. And then we're getting it, it, it. The only difference is you're not really getting, you know, different like sides where you're 
asking different people of the story and then they tell you their perception of him. It's just right. kind of like everybody's understanding of they didn't really know this person and then you just, boom, go into the story. Yeah. Which I really quite enjoyed. And so, yeah, just from that opening scene, it just takes you right into the story. And I quite liked it. Yeah. And also, I think a fun thing, obviously, this is, you know, nothing that nobody doesn't know that hasn't seen this movie. But if you're like me and hadn't seen this movie, a movie like Prometheus, which I think is very much uh, influenced from Lawrence of Arabia, especially his character. Yeah, David. You get David's character from the beginning of that movie. Um, I believe he watches Lawrence of Arabia on the spaceship he with does. himself, and he says the line from the beginning of the movie, which I always forget. Um, the trick, Mr. The, Potter, is not... Is it... Um, the trick, Mr. Potter, is not minding that it hurts. Yes, I think that's, that's what it, it is. Yeah. And so as David says that over to himself, so obviously right there I was like, oh, well, that's from that. So there you go. So anyway, I thought uh, that was cool just as far as influences now, go. Now was still, Lawrence... So. For you, was it as good as Prometheus? I mean, it's a close race. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, obviously. Lawrence, <laughs> masterpiece. Uh, but uh, anyway, so right at the beginning, I really like was kind of enraptured with Lawrence's character. Um, he has a great look. I believe this was Peter O'Toole's first appearance on film, or, or as a uh, lead actor. The first major first appearance. major appearance. Um, so here's an interesting thing. Marlon Brando and Albert Finney were considered in the role. What do you think about that? That is interesting. <laughs> would the movie work with them? With Brando, I don't know if it would. Um, <laughs> not that Brando's he's a great actor. I just yeah. After what Peter O'Toole brings something. Yeah, those to the are, film. Those are always like, interesting to think about. In my opinion, like him as Lawrence, I think is one of the great performances right. in cinema. Yeah, no, it's it's up there for me as well. Which I now, I can't believe that. That was a first role, you know? Have you seen To Kill a Mockingbird? I have not. So that's what beat Lawrence for, oh, for best actor. Picture. Or for actor, okay. Uh, Lawrence won Best Picture. Okay. Deservedly so. Um, I did watch To Kill a Mockingbird because I wanted to be... Um... Atticus Finch. Yes. See, everybody knows the character. Yes. I um, believe we... Did we read the book in school? I didn't. I think I did because I was in a lot of English classes. I have... I believe I've read the book. never seen the movie. Yeah, I mean, the movie's fine. It's it's good. Uh, I don't think that... I think Lawrence... Uh, Lawrence is a way better movie, in my opinion. And I think that Peter O'Toole's performance as Lawrence is better than Gregory Peck's Atticus Finch. Sure. In my opinion. I might get slaughtered for saying that, but... I don't... I, don't, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel confident saying that you're right. And um, as far as money goes, so back in the day, like the way movie, this was like a Marvel size hit mm-hmm. back in the day. So if you go for adjusted, you know, money for inflation, this movie grossed $499 million. Oh, wow. So like you're ta- like, this would be up there with like Disney films now. Mm-hmm. Um, now was this, how big was their budget? Just out of curiosity. Was oh, it, I, I mean, mean, it looks enormous, but they, I, they had a pretty good size. They, yeah, I I mean, it, it wasn't like Cleopatra size. I sure. think that at the time was like the largest budgeted film. And that was like, what, $20 million back then? Yeah. And that would have been, what, 1960, 61? Right. So probably less than that. But yeah, um, one remarkable thing about, you know, this film is 
everything in the film except for one shot is all physical. It's That's... all done. It's all in camera. Mm -hmm. The only shot that is actually manipulated, the man that Lawrence goes to save mm -hmm. after he gets lost, you know, he gets thrown off his camel and he gets lost in the desert. It's when they're approaching um, the city that they're about to take. Yeah. Um, so he goes back and you see the sequence of this man walking through the desert and he looks up at the sun. That shot is manufactured. That's okay. not actually a shot of the sun because they couldn't shoot the sun. That makes sense. Um, but everything else in the film, everything is physically done. The mirage, mm -hmm. everything. They did it in camera. That's great. Blows my mind. The shots of like when they take that city... And it's on the like the mountain, and you see that wide shot of all these camels oh, yeah. riding into the city. It's all real. Yeah, that's. I will just go ahead and say that sequence for me was my favorite sequence of the film, and and I can't remember the city's name that they raid there. Yeah, it's it's, it's at the end of the first part of the film, right? right? Right before intermission, and it is just breathtaking. The camera work, the, the choreography. Uh, I think is it Akbar. Akbar, that's probably Akbar. right. Um, I have another note about that. Um, so during that charge, mm -hmm. uh, Peter O'Toole fell off his camel. Here's the thing. Somebody like that, like how big that was. Cause you had hundreds of people riding in, you know, he should have been freaking trampled. Mm -hmm. What happened was his camel stopped and covered him, like stood over him oh, wow. as he was on the ground. Camel, smart creatures. Very nice. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what's cool is like, too is i mean just everybody rode camels yeah show. dude it, <laughs> i also um i was also uh watching on the documentary they talked about how the actors found that riding the camels was uncomfortable because like you don't sure. ride them you just sit there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like they yeah it's kind of like you put your body to the side and just yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it was very uncomfortable so they they went to a, like a market and got like these um like pads, these like cheesecloth pads or whatever, mm -hmm. and they would put it under the cushion. And the people training them were so impressed with this that I guess they started riding with that, you know, to cushion, you know, the ride. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so that that that's good stuff. So get into the film. So that entire like first you know, after after Lawrence's wake, you get that like first twenty minutes of him being like a young officer um, at that headquarters. Uh, he's in Cairo. Is he in Egypt? I believe it's in Cairo. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think of that sequence? You know, you're talking about the young Mister Potter. I think at the time he's like drawing up maps. He's a cartographer. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, he it it takes a little bit for you to quite understand what his role is or who he is mm -hmm. and kind of like he just seems like like in those first opening scenes maybe he he doesn't seem like this overly important person he's just a a soldier of that is what it seems like uh -huh. and kind of it just kind of goes into him getting this opportunity basically it's like he has ambition and he's bored right with what he's doing and he's got this kind of over empowering is it is it a general or who who brings him in his office to like talk to him yeah so he's brought in by um by a commanding officer and then that's when we get introduced to uh, claude rain's character mr dreyer yes who uh he's kind of like this uh this political um 
you know, Mr. He, Dryden. Yeah, mi- mixing everything, putting everything into place mm-hmm. um, for Britain to have like a power hold in the Middle East. Yeah. And he basically uses Lawrence kind of as a pawn to get an in over there. And he, all he sees is, um, you know, an officer that has a ton of ambition. Right. So they right. send him over there. You get that wonderful, you know, the wonderful jump cut between the match mm-hmm. and the desert. And then you get that wonderful scene, like sequence. It's probably what, 20 minutes of him riding with that one guy? Yeah. And that, like, what's what's interesting i found this in in this sequence in this film is uh the first man that he finds there in the desert and i'm not gonna remember his name right now i'm sorry um but uh he he gets with him and it makes it seem like this guy's gonna have a an important or big role in the film yeah because like it's kind of his guide to take him and they kind of set it up as a buddy thing right Mm -hmm. so they're going along and yes they they ride for 15 20 minutes chatting having conversations um and it comes to a point where they come across a well mm-hmm. in the desert and they need they need water um they go to the well and as they're getting water you see you know figure in the background the mirage a mirage coming towards them and you know some crazy stuff happened steven spielberg in this documentary said that he thinks that this sequence is one of the miracles of cinema and I like that. this shot of Omar Sharif, um, his character, Sharif, uh, Ali. Sharif Ali, uh, his introduction, that whole thing is done in one take. Oh, wow. Now, not their reactions, mm-hmm. but him being that far out, mm-hmm. riding into camera, and there's a mirage happening. Like, you can see it on camera. Yeah. Like, the way the sun is bending, you know, with the landscape and stuff. It's very surreal looking, mm-hmm. and as he approaches, that whole thing is done in one take. Wow, that's impressive. Blow your mind. Blow, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, Sharif Ali kills Lawrence's guide. Yeah, basically, you know, he's like, "This is our my water well." Yeah, and that's something that set up, you know, the political landscape of the yeah. Middle East. It, um, these people are not united. They're mm-hmm. fighting under uh, this uh, the Prince Faisal. Yeah, but. Not all of them are united, and they have this inner fighting between tribes. Right. It's crazy. I mean, obviously, in the desert, water is an important thing. Yeah. But, like, just to know that you're going to kill someone because they drank your water. It's pretty intense. Yeah. So, yeah, he, you know, he kills him, and then, basically, he, Sharif, just kind of takes the place of this other guy, and he becomes Lawrence's kind of new guide. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So, also, uh, just, like, uh, real quick on, like, Sharif, like, I love him in this movie. Yeah, he is so good. And do you love, like, he's basically, like, he becomes the audience, like, that's who the audience attaches to once Lawrence undergoes his change. Right. And... He He becomes the more sane person. Yeah, and... You know, the movie starts off with him doing a barbaric act of killing a man for drinking out of his right. well. What it does, obviously, right off the bat is, since we've already been with this other guy, we're kind of pissed at him. Like, uh-huh. like, this guy's a dick. Like, why did you do that? And so, like, for me anyway, watching it for the first time, I was a little just like, I don't like this guy at all. But then as the movie builds, I became quite fond of him. He's very charismatic. Very Omar good Sharif on, on the handsome scale. He's a handsome man. 
Well, yes. I mean... And this was his first big, like... At least a nine. Like, Hollywood movie. Yeah. You know, because later he does Dr. Zhivago. Right. He's in it's so many movies after this, but this is his first, you know, like... Apparently, the studio didn't want him at the Hollywood premiere. He was a big um, Arab star. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want him at the Hollywood premiere because they weren't promoting him. Um, you know, because you have all these actors, you know, like Anthony Quinn and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Claude Rains, uh, Alec Guinness. So, yep. like, these massive stars. Yep. And um, I guess Peter O'Toole said he would not go unless Omar got to go. I like that. So, yep, they both got to go. Omar was, like, a super young man at the time. That's really cool. Yep. But, Good yeah, he, he's so good in this movie. He is. So, Lawrence eventually meets with Prince Faisal, who's played by Alec Guinness. What do you think of his performance here? Again, he's good. Like, Alec Guinness is never bad. No, no, never bad. Do you think people mostly think of him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, or do they think of his, like, British work? Obi-Wan. Just because Star Wars is such in our culture all the time. But, but that's, no, a, he's that's a not, good performance, I'm though. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. He's like, I, I think he was even nominated for his performance in Star Wars. Yeah, he's a great actor. No doubt about it. And he's good here. Yeah, he is fantastic. Um, he's got a slyness to the character. And your introduction to him, it's this really cool scene of um, the Turkish are armed with um, armaments that they got from, uh, I believe, the was it the Germans, maybe? Um, they got airplanes. And yeah. they're bombing, you know, the Arabs. And it... it it's a shocking look of uh, technology against this, uh, you know, what we're to think is like this barbaric um, people. Yes. Since we're on this topic, do you have, let me let you Yeah, yeah, no, 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 go for it. I'm going to go ahead and talk about this now. I was going to wait till the end of the movie, uh-huh. but you brought it up here now. So my take on this film is it's, it's kind of, I have mixed thoughts on it here, but I'm going to see if I get this out or not. But it's... It's a lot to do with modernity. Uh, so what I find interesting is I don't know what Mr. Lean's political views were. I don't know if you do or not. I didn't look into it, which is probably something I should have done. But I find it interesting kind of in this film is definitely, in my opinion, a takedown of technological advances, like that it has maybe been worse for our society than the better for it. And I look at that specifically when looking at Lawrence's character, not only with, like you said, just said with the planes, when you look at guns are a big deal in this movie, because this is a country that we kind of, the UK there brought these guns into their uh, possession here. And that's a big deal kind of throughout. Yeah. Owning rifles is a big deal for them. Right. And, and, And it kind of plays with that through the whole film, especially in the battle sequences and later in the film. Um, and also I look at that also in, the thought of how Lawrence dies. Um, because how does he die? He dies from a motorcycle, which is a newer version of technology than his camel that he rides on through most of the film. And so when I look at that, I think about... Now, I'm a person... I believe in the go- the goodness of modernity. I think it's always been good for our society. But at the same time, when you look at certain technological advancements, it's also detriment. And I think, again, this is just... this. Maybe off base is just my opinion, but I look at what Lean is trying to say through a negative side of modernity through this film. And I just was curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, opinion. there's definitely like a romantic look at um, the classicism 
if that's a word. It is. Of of that because you know Lawrence is asked, "What do you like about the desert?" and he says, "I like that it's so clean." Mm-hmm. And there is there's a purity about like that lifestyle that like this is my water, even though it's seen as barbaric. Right. It's like, well, this is my water. Like, I have claim to this. It's not really that much different than what we do now Mm -hmm. of, like, yeah, you know, this is our country. Sure. And, you know, what? this is my home. Exactly. And and to a point, like, it's it's like when I was thinking about this movie after watching it, it's like, you know, a part of me is like, I very much agree with with my take on this film with Lean because I am very much a, I hate guns and I, I hate violence and war. I will say, just to get just my assumptions on his political sure. leanings, I imagine he is just a British good old boy. Now, he did give a very um, astute character study to um, you know Mr. T. Lawrence, but he did start making propaganda films, you know, during World War II. You know, rah-rah films. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I, which is interesting to me. I, I did not know that. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, his first film actually, which is co directed by uh, Noel Coward, uh, in which they serve. Sure. I mm-hmm. think that's right. Yep. That is. Um, and, and that is just about British naval unit uh, okay. during the war. Uh, but that is how he started. Now, Bridge on the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia, these are more complex looks at men and uh the mythology of heroes during wartime Mm -hmm. so maybe there was a change yeah you know and how he felt about that as an older man i just want to kind of want to talk about that for a second whether again whether it's his intention or not my reading of the film yeah and so and i I, it, it just made me struggle a little bit because with my reading of that i i agree with him on that front but at the same time i'm also a believer of of progressiveness and moving forward and so it, it's one of those things that i struggled with while thinking about that on a uh, a bigger level so for this like for you it played like 50s japanese cinema yeah yeah most definitely and that's not a bad thing no no that's not <laughs> a bad thing at all so uh, sorry, i kind of took us on there. that little tangent no, 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 I, just, I, I, I find like that, that something interesting that and i really thought about the film no no, no and i want to know like like, did this movie stick with you? Is Absolutely. this something you thought about a bunch after? Like, or shots, scenes, moments of acting? Yeah, I mean, I, I've... It definitely did. It's it's one that um, I'm definitely going to watch again. Do you have a like. favorite scene? Yeah, I mean, mine. like I said earlier, mine... The thing that... I guess the, the wowing part of it would was just that, that first... Uh, or that big... Uh, uh, invasion of the city there at the end of the, of the first part of the film and as we talked about a little earlier just the sh- the way the camera is used not only on those aerial shots but as as they're like it's really just a huge set piece and you see the camera go through like this town and it's and like it's just this long take and uh-huh. it's just gorgeous man and i it kind of amazed me the composition and shot that he was able to get through this, and it just was quite impressive. So another thing huge scale. that I thought was interesting. So throughout the film, there's so many long, long shots mm-hmm. of just men riding. Yeah. Did you know those were not second unit? Okay. 
and those were the actors. Well, I didn't like if you see like Lawrence in his party riding, like that is Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif riding across the desert. David leans three miles away on a mountain shooting it. You know, I didn't I didn't read it up anything, but just watching the film isn't it that looks amazing like it, though? Know? Yeah. Like who does that? Yeah. It's pretty, like who who says, Hey principal actor, I need you to ride a camel across the desert so I can get this shot that nobody will ever know that it was you in the shot. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the fact that they did that, man. Yeah, it's... it's and all those shots, like, I think this is, like, one of the loveliest films ever, ever filmed. Um, so many of the shots are just, like, why would you do this? And how did you do this? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tech... Like, it's phenomenal. A technological marvel. Yes. So, we probably don't need to go over the entire plot of the film, yeah. because we'll be here all day. Yes. Um. So, <laughs> Lawrence, you know, meets with... Uh, uh, Prince uh, Faisal, he joins the rebellion. He brings this idea of um, what if we can, re- you know, unite the tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you get the introduction of Anthony Quinn's character, um, Adu Abitai, who has been fighting for the Turks, and they're able to sway him over to their side. Now, what do you think of Anthony Quinn's performance in this film? All right, Anthony Quinn. Uh, yes, I liked him a lot as well. Now, he is... the. Uh, one thing I could tell on him now, they make him a Arab, correct? Yeah. Now, uh, there, there's a lot of yes, a lot round face sure, in sure. this Which, movie. That happened. I mean, it's Omar Sharif is the only actor right? in the film that, to my knowledge, is actually Arabic. Right. It's something you just you have to understand going in the film. Um, but uh, one, one, the the biggest I do like his performance. First off, let me say, um, one of the only like flaws i could see uh from the 4k restoration uh-huh. is just his nose makeup was very intense oh yeah <laughs> not again didn't take me away from it i just wanted to throw that out there it's kind of funny yeah because they kind of like slant it right yes, yeah <laughs> but anyway he is very good in this movie i quite liked him a lot well and he is the first one to introduce the idea that like lawrence is a flawed man yeah, right mm-hmm. and i like that so you get um lawrence has these two servants um, you know, Orens, oh Lord. Yes. yes. Uh, what do you think of those guys? Those guys. Like, what do they do for the story for you? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think it goes with, with this kind of ongoing thing in the film of, with, like, mixing adventure film with buddy film. Yeah. Right? So, like, also these guys kind of, uh, or these, they're kids. They're, yeah, they're teenagers. Yeah, they're boys. So, they join, they're basically just they love Lawrence so much and they just want to be his servants. And like Lawrence accepts that, but he's also very kind to them. Well, but, and, and when it starts out, it is like Lawrence is like this heady guy who's like, Oh, another British officer. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You think you know what you're doing, but he shows this ambition in front of, you know, Prince Faisal. Yeah. And you know, people latch on to him because yeah. of how ballsy he is. And they start regarding him as a lord, as like a savior of the land. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just, it's a really... He becomes their moral compass. It's an embrace. Yeah. And it's it's a really good, like, combination. I like those actors with him. Um, and again, it's just like, I felt their chemistry together on screen. And I thought they had just 
a really good vibe going and, and I enjoyed their parts. Um, as we'll get into probably here in a sec, you know, uh, when one of the characters leaves the film, it was kind of a bummer. So we'll get into the descent of Lawrence. Yes. Um, so you get everything he says to this point in the film, he does. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they say you cannot cross um, the anvil of the desert, you know, to get to um, Akbar. Um, you, you can't do it by land. That's why, you right. know, it's a port town. Yeah. Um, he says, no, we're going to attack him from here because the guns won't be pointed at us. Mm-hmm. They do it. Yeah. Um, you know, this man is lost in the desert and they're like, it's two days travel. You will not make it. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I will get him and I will come back. Yeah. Everything he does, like everything he says he does, which is why he gets this like following. And then you get characters like uh, Sharif Ali starts believing mm-hmm. in the mythology of Lawrence. Yeah. He becomes and then, a, a greater, a, a bigger than life character. Almost, yeah. You know? And then you have this thing where... Uh, after they meet Anthony Quinn's character, um, Adu Abitayi, you get this, which the sequence of them meeting is wonderful. Lawrence coming back, getting his robes for the first time. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing his reflection in the dagger. Yep. Which is called, like, they call back to that later in the film. Right. This um, is where you get the first, like, authentic look that you've, that people have probably seen if you've never seen the movie. Like, when you see that, you're like, oh, that's what I imagine when I yeah. think of when I when I see pictures of, of this movie. So this man that Lawrence saves from the, you know, dying in the desert, he commits a crime against yep. um, Thais, um c- tribe. Yep. And he is to be executed. and But no side can execute him because it would be considered murder. Right. And that it would be... A war between the tribes, yeah. something of that nature. So Lawrence, as not a part of either tribe, decides that he will execute the man. Yeah. And he sees that the man responsible for this is the man that he saved. Yeah. So at this point, you get this descent um, from Lawrence. He's not viewed as pure as, you know, once was. He kills this man, uh, which later in the film, he says that he's not fit for duty because he enjoyed it. Yeah, let's. I want to talk about real quick here. Um, uh, the guy that he saves and then kills. Uh huh. That whole little. I know it's a smaller little section, but that little story arc for that character is interesting because what happens with when Lawrence saves him the first time? Uh, you know, the Arab people have a saying, um, which I've already forgotten what the saying is, but it's like it was something about basically to the. I'll just dub it down as like, um, it was. It's his time to go. Like, yeah. it's basically his time to die, right? And Lawrence is like, no, it's not his time to die. So he goes and he makes a miraculous event and saves this man. Yeah. And and Lawrence comes back and he's like, you know, no, it wasn't his time to go, you know? He's like, you can, you can change things if you are set out to, right? Right. And so what happens with this character... Oh, th- um, it is not written. It is not written, thank you. Yes, it is not written. So Lawrence is like, you know... Yeah, it hasn't been written yet for him because I saved him. And so you have this, you know, as the movie plays out here, um, that character, what comes around, what ha- obviously you just talked about, have what's happening to him. And then the, you know, it, it's it's a very, like, 
the wheels turn, you know, and he has to be the one that ends up killing him and he makes that page written for him. So it's like, you know, maybe he wasn't, it wasn't his time to go at that exact moment, but it was still coming in the near future and there was nothing he could do. Well, to stop that was kind of, it kind of shows that, you know, it was a futile thing. Yeah. Um, him saving that man almost ended the alliance mm-hmm. um, between the two tribes that he set up. Right. Mm-hmm. So then they take Akbar, and then Lawrence promises um, Taid that there's going to be gold in Akbar because the Turkish are paying everybody to stay there. Mm-hmm. They take the city, they take the coast. The British are going to be so happy. This helps, you know, Prince Fievel's cause, and. Um, you get this wonderful sequence where Lawrence says he's going to ride out to Cairo with his two boys. Yep. And um, Anthony Quinn is talking to Omar Sharif and he said, he said there'd be gold here. He lied. Mm-hmm. He is not perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And right after that, you see that like Lawrence is lost in the desert. He loses his compass. Yeah. Now... If I'm mistaken, isn't this kind of where part two starts? Is like their uh, no, journey? no, no, not no, yet. not yet. Okay, I'm sorry. Not I'm yet. Sorry. This is still part one. Okay, um, that's right. For some reason in my mind, I thought that part one ended right after that battle sequence. That's where I thought it was going to end. But yes, it yeah. kept going until he gets to Cairo. Back yeah, to until I, and after that, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, he loses one of his servants in quicksand. That's right. You get the terrifying scene, yep. and they go through this big journey, and it, it really is, you know, they're. They're having a rough time. But eventually they get to the canal uh, yep. over by Egypt, and you get this wonderful scene of um, Lawrence arrives there. You don't see who's saying it, but you hear him. You hear, who are you? Mm-hmm. And you could see that kind of as, like, the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, like, it, you know, because at this point it is, like, who are you? Like, who is this character? Because we saw him, Perfect Lawrence, doing all the things that he said he was going to do, but also he's manipulated people to get the things he's wanted. Right. He's led people into certain death. Yep. One of his... Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the kids that was with him. Just and died. he murdered someone and enjoyed it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes up, you know, who are you? Which brings, once he gets to Cairo... He says he's not fit for service, that he wants to be pulled out of Arabia because he is not fit. He loved murdering that one dude. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he doesn't want to serve anymore. And he admits to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. But then the British officers find his actions commendable and they use him as a pawn because they're like, if we just unleash Lawrence Mm -hmm. with this group of rebels, like... They're going to be concentrating on that. We can do all this other shit while he's doing his thing. Yeah. And th- and they promise him, like, oh, yes, your rebellion, you're going to have tanks, you're going to have guns. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff happens. No. <laughs> Not at all. And that's where we end part one. Yeah. Yep. And then you get this wonderful intermission. Unfortunately, the crowd did not understand the intermission was over and was so rowdy for about a couple more minutes. Yeah, the the, film. the, uh, the awful man next to me uh, had out his... Even when the movie had just started back, they were... Like, he had out his phone. Him and the guy next to him were, like, talking about how many different versions of the Blu-ray they owned and the DVD they owned and how they're going to keep buying the film, which is great for them. But, you know, I didn't really want to hear about it when the movie had started. You ever want to take a phone out of a man's hand and throw it? 
Uh, yeah. I wanted to do, like, obvious, okay, so here's the thing. This guy that was next to me, like I said before, he was two times my size. Now, he wasn't in the best health, I could tell you. You could take him. He also had, like, open sandals on with, like, his toes looked like just death. I mean, they were, they, they were not, no. I watched him walk. He had a bit of a limp. I'm sorry I'm ripping this guy, but I was not the fondest of him. But there smells? There were at times, again, I don't know if it was the food or him. In my mind, I was just like, it's the it's food. So that's what kept me going. There was a moment early on in the film, I thought about leaving the theater just because I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. Like, You're going to leave the movie? Well, like, I was just like, I got to be four hours next to this guy. Yeah. And this is not going well. But once things started, I my anxiety levels, I calmed myself down and I made it. But after intermission, it started back again. For <laughs> so that was intermission for us. So you get back. Lawrence is doing all these successful raids on Turkish trains and such. Yeah. Um, cool stuff. Pushing them back. And then you get this horrifying sequence of him being captured by the Turks. At this point, he is like so high on himself that he is invincible. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this Turkish scene? The, the rape? Yeah, so, the old sodomy. So yeah, um, it's it's a very disturbing scene. You picked it up, right? I did it, and I talked about this a little bit after the film with uh, Melanie. Uh, she was kind of just curious if I, you know, if I picked that up since I'd never seen the movie, and it's like, yes, I did, but I could also see where someone may not completely pick that up. So you know, um, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. <laughs> And cinematically, it's like it feels like he comes out of there a broken man. Yeah, as I think most humans probably would be, um, he is not the same at all. Not that he, I mean, he was still on that verge of kind of losing it a little bit at that point, but that just completely sent him over the edge, that whole now, scene. For the second act, or yeah, we'll say part two. If I say second act, I mean part two. Part two. This movie doesn't really follow the three-act sure. structure. What do you think of the reporter's role? Okay, uh, um, I'm trying to think about that. Um, um, he's kind of the conduit for delivering Lawrence to the Americans. Okay. Um, so America will want to get into the war, even though at that time I think we already were in the war. Right. That's just movie podgepodge stuff. Sure. No worries there. Yep. Um, but he talks to Prince Feifel. He has a wonderful scene with him. That's right. He also has the sequence where they rid the train and Lawrence gets shot. And yes. it also builds to his like folk hero-ness. And yep. the reporter talks to him after that. And, you know, he asks him like, what do you like about the desert? It's so clean. Yes. Um, so uh, this man's role in telling the story and showing the character, how did you feel about it? I dug it. Now... Do you think, like, here's a question, uh, kind of randomly. Do you think we're supposed to take from that character maybe that this is some retelling of maybe his story? Or why do you think that character <clears throat> was placed in there, in your opinion? Um, I, I think that he's placed there, you know, because he does, he does have those comments at the beginning of the film, like, I've never seen a bigger exhibitionist. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing in the film that it seems that he sees that would indicate that, but you do get the sense that he's been traveling with him. He's covering this aspect of the war, so he probably has seen 
people like referring to Lawrence, Lord Lawrence and such. Yeah, yeah. The man who united Arabia. Yeah, it's it's also one of those things that, you know, we think about how stories are told, um, why they're told the way they are, the lore that goes along with people. And I think that's, I liked it. I liked what, what that was going for. So they plan this giant attack at the end of the film and it gets offset by these Turks attack a city yep. on their journey and some of the people in the tribes want vengeance and Omar Sharif's character, uh, Sharif Ali, it's like, no, like we need to continue our journey to aid the war effort like, we do not need to just go after these Turks. And Lawrence, who's been broken by this experience with the Turks, yeah. irrational. He, he is in full-on, like, lost-it mode. They attack them as they're fleeing, and it is a massacre. Yeah, it's and an intense scene, man. It is. And you get this wonderful sequence of him afterwards looking into the dagger at his own reflection as right. he's covered in blood. Yeah, it. this... I. This massacre, because I'm going to call it a massacre, was more intense than I had anticipated whatsoever. I mean, I knew this. I I knew this was an action film per se, an adventure film, but like I wasn't expecting that level of violence at at this time in the time frame. The movie like was 1962, made. right? It was pretty intense. Do you think that Omar Sharif's wonderful acting? And pleading with him not to do this sells that intensity more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Lawrence's journey throughout this, you know, second part of the film. Any thoughts, feelings? Just that, I mean, obviously great acting by Peter O'Toole. I think the movie, like, I won't give it any shortcomings. I think it does a great job of setting up that descent. Uh, and, like, yes... I, I like I said before I I I think the first half of the film is stronger but like also I wonder how this would play without the intermission not that it ruined my I, I love the film <clears throat> I think I, I would just be interested to see how it goes in just one straight flow without like kind of a 10 mm -hmm. or 15 minute break because I think the second half is obviously very important to the film um but uh and again I, I think his descent into madness is is expertly done but um, I would I would be interested to see the movie kind of just without that break. So what do you think of the ending of the film where he just rides off in a British car? Yeah. A Jeep. Yep. It's like, well, your tour's done. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the brutality of, of war. I mean, that's just like, you know. Did you think it was anticlimactic or was it satisfying for you? It was you? satisfying for me. Me too. Uh, good. I mean, I just, you know, I... I like I like endings like that because it's the reality of the situation. Like, yeah, that's how it was. That's do you have Do you have any nitpicks, complaints about this film? I think this movie's perfect. I love it. I think it's one of the greatest films ever made. I think it's a great movie. The only nitpicks I have, I've already said, and they are not very big ones. Obviously, I again, I like I said, I would like, I would like to. I'm gonna watch it again. I think it's a great movie. I would like to watch it without the intermission just to kind of see if that, that any any change towards how I I'll feel I'll be honest, you'll probably parts. have to fast forward to it because I think all the Blu-ray releases... Fair. And that, that is fair. And, and it's, it's not really a complaint. It's just a... I, and it, it may have just been that 
we were sitting for so long be- before that break. It's uh-huh. just a weird, I don't know. I think it worked. Well, because you watch but, a long-ass movie before right. that intermission. Yeah. And then you get a normal-sized movie after right. that. And it just, it just that second part, not a bad thing. It just flew by so fast. I I don't know. Do you wish they made movies like this? I kind of, I, I, I do kind of miss the so-called epics. Like, when's like, the last time, is Troy the last one we got? Probably. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Right. And then Troy... Yeah, we don't get because like, I like I don't consider like I know Endgame was like three hours, right? Sure, and that's the thing I don't consider that. Yeah, we get it seems these days we get a lot of like two and a half to three hour yeah. movies, but not like the real the long scope ones that have the actual need for the long run. Time. Yeah, the the three <laughs> right. to four hour movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it, it's we don't get those very often, and we. Definitely don't get an intermission. It seemed like they were kind of making a comeback in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, because you had like Braveheart, you know, mm-hmm. was, The Patriot was in the 2000s. But like, you English know, like Patriot? those historical films, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like Troy was like the last Hollywood what I What I like that. to call the double VHSs. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> call, man. Um, Those are double VHSs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Troy is... Troy is the last one, right? Probably so. I would... Nothing comes to mind right offhand. Do you want more movies like this? I mean, I'd be fine with it. Uh, my biggest thing always is, do they earn their long run time? Right. Which Lawrence obviously does. Lawrence does, yes. That's my only complaint. I don't know if now... If... <clears throat> there are obviously very a lot of really good filmmakers out there. I just don't know... I don't know. Oh, we're, here's the thing. We're going to get one probably this fall with Scorsese's new film. I've heard it's three and a half hours long. Yeah, but th- that to me doesn't feel like an epic. Well, right. I, guess. Like, I mean, you're I'm looking, looking at kind historical. of these adventure kind yeah, of these adventure. Films. Okay, I get you. I, get I, you. I guess like maybe, maybe James Gray. Maybe he needs to make that. I mean, that's a great example. Like you know? Lost City of Z. Can you imagine something like that sure. but at like four hours? Yeah, that would be awesome. And he's the type of person, he's very much a classical director. Yeah, so, he I mean, definitely has some David Lean leanings. Sure, that's a good call. I, I would very much be interested in a, in a uh, epic from James Gray, very much. Yeah, I, I want to see more movies like this. I love epics. Like, I, I love them, dude. I even love, like, I don't know how you feel about the Bible epics, but, like, Ten Commandments, that movie, there's so much artistry in that film. Mm-hmm. Even Ben-Hur, like, the chariot scene in Ben-Hur... Is one of the greatest action scenes ever shot on film. And here's a thing for me is I've not watched many epics. Like the Bible films. I'm sure I've seen Ten Commandments when I was younger. But I don't remember it. Because I my, it was something my family would watch. So good. Um, I have, I've never, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I've, you it's know. It's good. I've, there's a lot of them I haven't seen. I haven't seen Ben-Hur. Um, so also good. these are things that I would like to see. They're just, they are... Is it too daunting it's, to like... It's a very... I don't want to sit down for four hours right. to watch this. You've got to have the time and you've got to have the thing in your head that says, I am going to focus on the screen, not mess with a phone or anything for four hours. Can be doable. It's just you've got to find the time and, and space in your head to do it. So uh, I would like to see more. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Somebody needs to step up and make a, another historical drama that earns a four-hour runtime. 
Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. The the thing is too, what I'm like real quick on we got to see this in theater, like we've already talked about. I wish they would do more, like if I would be so more inclined if they would bring these back like they did with Lawrence. I don't know how you know, and a lot of these they may not have well, tra- and, new transfers and, for, but I wish they would bring them back there to is theater. A, they did a BFI transfer to Dr. Zhivago. We just couldn't watch it because football season. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, But, yeah, like a Ben-Hur, uh, Ten Commandments, yeah. something like that. So, like, if it was offered in a theater, you would go see it. Obviously, absolutely. The, the thing for me is, and I know everyone's kind of built differently. For me, um, a movie of that, that bigness... It's 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 a thing where it if I go to the, big it does deserve the big screen. Also, on an individual basis for me, it's like it makes it to where I am forced to not have distractions, which for me can be difficult at times. It when it's a longer thing when I'm watching it at home. Uh huh. Now, obviously, I can do it without it. It's just that thought of I want to check this or that when I when it's on the big screen. I don't. I can't do that. I have to focus, and that's what I want. Because I want to give it my full-scale attention for a full-scale film. What if we watch movies at home and I slap your hands every time you go for your phone? I mean, you could do that. You could also, like, lock my phone in a room and, like, just, you know. Would you get mad at me? No. As long as I... Like, like, Nolan, now, you have free time. We're going to watch Ten Commandments right now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, as long as there's not, like, anything pressing, like... If it's like in the middle of a playoff game or something, like I'd be well, like I super pissed. I wouldn't watch an epic during a playoff <laughs> game, Nolan. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, most of these films I was exposed to on home video, obviously, because renting them on VHS or seeing them on DVD or television in the case of like Ten Commandments, seeing something like this on the big screen was really refreshing and mm-hmm. I, I, dude, I eat up like those overtures, those intermissions. Mm-hmm. I think that shit's so cool. And I wish that more, you know what? Avengers Endgame, I love that movie. Should have had an intermission. Yeah. I think all movies that are over two hours need an intermission. Hey, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I mean, with that whatsoever. I don't think it breaks up the film at all because everybody is on their phone. If they're watching the movie at home anyways, like put an intermission in. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I am, I'm very, I feel, I'm excited, but also I feel fortunate that I got to see this movie for the first time in a new transfer on a big screen. And it was a great experience. I, I know I, excited I bitched about the person sitting next to me. I, I'm just, you know, that, that didn't ruin anything because I had a hell of an experience. I was so excited for you to watch this movie and for your first experience to be like, Nolan's going to get to see the newest transfer on the biggest screen. Yeah. Like that excites me because like I have love for this movie. Sure. And as a cinema lover, I know that like, it's like I really want to share this movie with you. Yeah. And the fact that we got to see it in the best way possible. Absolutely. Available to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. W- w- so are you going to seek out more David Lean films? Oh yes. Uh, yes. I would. Um... I know like that's a stupid thing to say because of how like big of a star, like, He's big time, right? Like right. for in the annals of yeah. like, directors. Yeah, we've, you know, like you talked a little bit about uh, Dr. Shivago a few minutes ago. I've never seen that. That's one I wish we could have watched when they showed it here. 
Uh, I think you have the Blu-ray. I have the DVD. Yeah, I've got the Blu-ray. Um, I'm gonna, I'll watch that sometime. They've got a uh, 4K UHD of Bridge on the River Kwai. Nice. I'd like to pick that up. Um, I actually got to see that movie in 35 millimeter on the big screen. That's awesome. You should have seen it too because it played at the freaking local theater. I did. I'm, I'm, I missed that one. I was young and insignificant in the head. It was a marvelous movie. That movie, if you've never seen it. That's some great freaking acting. Yeah, so that's that's another one I need to seek out. Again, um, I have access, obviously, to the box that you talked about earlier, so I need to... I know those are smaller scale compared to these, They're but still really I good. Would, yeah. And you get a sense of his style. Mm-hmm. You get tracking shots. You get these long, beautiful shots. And especially, like, with the Noel Coward stuff, a lot of that stuff's more stagey. But yeah, I, I, I love David Lean's work. Uh, he's got some stuff from the late... Was it Ryan Stodder? Yeah. Is that late 70s? I think so. And then um, in in the 80s, he did a movie that is kind of in line with these epics, you know, during his heyday, uh, Passage to India. Yes, yes. That was pretty well That's regarded. That's what I would, and like, I, to I would like to see that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, David Lean, a freaking master of the craft. Yeah, this, this was a treat, man. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it. I hope I had enough things to say because it's been so long since it's been like a month since we watched this. So... I hope I brought something to the conversation. Is this a film that sticks with you, though? Like, do you think about it from time to time? <coughs> I've thought a lot about... <coughs> sorry. I've thought a lot about the issue I kind of brought up earlier um, about the modernity, and I've yeah. thought about that a lot. Um, I dig that. I, I think that uh, it is a movie that has a lot to say, and I think that it is deserving of being studied and rewatched and learning from because i think it's a brilliant film so yes i have thought about it quite so a bit. you're comfortable with saying after seeing two of his films david lean is one of the masters hell yeah nice very nice if you ever get a chance if your local cinema is ever playing these uh british film institute restorations of his films you should go seek those out because right now Outside of Bridge on the River Kwai, you know, these other epics of his have not gotten a prestige release on, um, you know, with the 4K restorations. Yeah. So you should seek those out. That's the best way to watch these movies, especially, man, if you can get to the cinema, that's the way to do it. Get your ass in the theater. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Well done. Great movie. Give us a tweet. Let us know what you've been watching. And uh, you can find us on there at Cinema Parlor on Twitter. That's right. And uh, where can we find you personally? All right, you can find me at Chuck Madden Jr. That's on Letterboxd. Uh, you, if you're so willing, you can find me on Chuck Madden Jr. on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find us uh, at the Cinema Parlor on iTunes. And I believe we're getting ready to be on Spotify for not already. We're on SoundCloud. And what about you, sir? I am Glover 84 on the Letterboxd. I'm not very active on Twitter, but if you ever say anything at me on the thing, I will answer back. We will respond on the Cinema Parlor Twitter. Also, our producer, Melanie, is very active, um, quite the following, on uh, Plastic Werewolf. Plastic Werewolf, you can find her on Twitter. On Twitter? On Twitter. She's got a lot of fun shit going on all the time. And thank, thank you, Melanie, for everything you do for us. Thank you for producing and editing our show. And you're the best. The best. All right, well, we will see you guys soon. This has been fun. Indeed. All right, bye-bye. Goodbye.